Uh, we want to uh, recognize Donna and uh, Rick Gerber and family as uh, they are going to be moving, as many of you are aware. They're going to be leaving us and uh, moving on May 27th. So I've asked the family if they would come forward, and uh, Tanya's going to come forward at this time too. So if you would uh, come on down, as they say on The Price is Right. Uh, we rejoice that uh, Rick has found employment and he's been working with uh, Baraka Homes since April. Uh, Katie is going to begin working on June the 5th for Anytime Fitness as a personal trainer. Uh, Joy will be ministering at Victory Valley this summer and uh, Lord willing attending Cedarville College in the fall. We certainly have appreciated greatly uh, this family. I know they mean a lot to you. They've been very important in the life of our church. We could not be here tonight. We're doing this at night instead of the morning since uh, Donna was not able to be here this, this morning. But uh, we really do want to express our appreciation for them. Of course, Donna's been here all her life. And uh, they've been, uh, as a family, just as I say, intricately a part of the church. And I know that uh, they have deep, deep, uh, friendships with, with many of you. I said that uh, I was going to give Donna an opportunity to speak tonight. And she said that she couldn't handle it emotionally. Uh, she would cry. I get that. I understand that. So she wrote a few things, and Tanya's going to uh, read that uh, for her. And I'm not supposed to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when Donna called me uh, to ask me to read this for her, I said, sure, no problem. Um, not really thinking about how difficult it might be for me to read not a final farewell, but a we're moving farewell. Um, this is her letter. To our Lebanon Bible Fellowship Church family, we are so thankful as a family for the love and friendship that has been given us over the many years as part of this church. We have been richly blessed by wonderful relationships through which we have found much encouragement and happiness. There are many within this church who are more like family to us than will ever be known. I, Donna, first recall meeting Pastor Rita Pinebrook even prior to his being called to serve here within our church. He performed our wedding ceremony in 1987. He was there for us in 1990 when Rick had his brain surgery. We are grateful to both Pastor and Bonnie for the time that he was willing and able to spend with us. Each of our four children were dedicated by him and likewise were baptized in this church. We would like to say thank you to Pastor Reed for truly fulfilling his role as pastor to our families. We likewise wish to express our deepest thanks to Pastor Heller and Pat, as well as Pastor Dave and Sarah for their powerful and faithful examples and influence in our lives. We are so blessed to know that our children had the privilege to, of growing up in this church. <clears throat> Many served as their Sunday school teachers, youth mentors, or simply living examples of faithful followers of Christ. We give our Lord the praise and thanks for all that he has done and will continue to do within this church and trust that his name will always be honored through this body of believers. We are extremely thankful to you all, and we will certainly miss worshiping with you on a regular basis. We know that God has called us to make this move at this time and are excited to see what he has for our future. We ask you to please pray for us as we seek to find the church wherein he has planned for us to serve and worship. 
To him be the glory, Rick, Donna, and the children. You always beat me to the clapping, all right? I, I want to pray, and then I was going to clap. That, but that's good. That's good. That's a true, heartfelt response. Okay, we appreciate you guys immensely. Uh, words cannot express. Uh, they've been such a uh, wonderful part in the life of our church and have contributed in such a variety of ways. Let's pray for them. Our Father... We thank you for your great mercy and grace. Uh, we think of Donna and Rick. We thank you for bringing them together. Uh, Lord, uh, just watching them as a couple grow and develop in their lives, uh, the things that you have brought them through, even as uh, Donna had mentioned, uh, the, the time in which uh, Rick uh, had a brain tumor, such a, a dire situation, and yet, Lord, uh, how wonderfully you intervened and worked and gave health and strength. And uh, to see how fit he is today, what, what a blessing and joy. Thank you, Lord, for that mercy in, in his life. Thank you for their children. We know that they have prayed for their children. And uh, Lord, we are grateful that you have worked in their lives, bringing them to faith and giving them a desire to, to love and to serve you. Uh, we pray for them. We pray for Katie as she begins working at Anytime Fitness. We ask that uh, this would be a meaningful and uh, worthwhile position in her life. Uh, watch over her and protect her. We pray for Joey and thank you for the opportunity he's going to have to minister at Victory Valley this summer. And we pray for him as he begins his uh, collegiate work at uh, Cedarville. Uh, again, may this be a, a really great experience. May he grow in his knowledge of the scriptures. May he grow in his relationship to you. And may he have many uh, friendships that would prove to be valuable and uh, last him for a lifetime. We pray for Calvin, Lord, and your direction in his life and his future. Uh, we pray for Donna and Rick. And uh, we pray for Donna Rick's parents and uh, know that this is going to be an adjustment for, for them as, as they leave, but we know that they are very committed to their parents and will continue to uh, minister to them and, and to, to help them. We do pray for their desire to find a good church. Uh, we ask that you would lead them to that church that is going to feed them, that will nourish them and help them spiritually, and a, a church where they can be involved and their gifts can be used and uh, that they can serve you in a, in a mighty and powerful way. May they be a blessing to that church. May they be that very family that that church has been longing for. Uh, may they supply uh, needs that are present within that, that church. May you uh, sovereignly direct in these things. We pray, Lord, and ask that you would give them godly friends, that you would uh, instill for them uh, people that uh, would be precious to them, and may they be able to forge uh, the kinds of relationships that they've had with so many in the life of this church. A supply for them. Uh, we pray your blessing upon them in the fullest sense of that word. Uh, Lord, we, we don't need to direct you. We don't need to tell you uh, how to care for this family. We know that you will, and we give you praise and adoration and thanksgiving for all that you will do for them. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Our pleasure. Thank you. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you. You have your handout for this evening. This is a continuation of random thoughts coming from different portions of Scripture. This is not the beginning of a new series. I'm only going to spend one night on this, but we're going to look at uh, Psalm 37 together this evening. The Bible speaks of our relationship to God in terms of a marital covenant. In the Old Testament, Israel is spoken of as the wife of God in Isaiah 54, 6. The Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. In the New Testament, of course, the, the church is spoken of as the bride of Christ. We have that extended section in Ephesians chapter 5 that talks about how husbands are to love their wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave him up himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word so that he might present to the church himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing. She might be holy without blemish. And of course, the wife is to submit herself under her husband, even as, as uh, the church is to Christ. So tonight, I'm using a passage of scripture that, that doesn't really talk about marriage. It talks about our relationship with God. But on that aspect, that, that uh, the marriage relationship is to reflect the relationship between God and his people, uh, I feel that it is a fair application to look at this passage and think of it not so much in our relationship with God, but our relationship to our spouses. And uh, really, our relationship to, to people that are very, very important to us. From this portion of scripture, uh, I find what uh, I refer to as four building blocks in marriage, or we might say, four steps in a relationship in marriage. Uh, if you've done any marital counseling with me or any premarital counseling, this is not new to you. I uh, look at Psalm 37 uh, quite regularly with people that uh, I talk with because I, I find it to be very instructive and to be helpful. Uh, as I say, I see these as four building blocks of marriage. The, the four building blocks are taken from Psalm 37. They are these. The first is to trust. If you notice in Psalm 37, I'm on page one, uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, don't have this in front of you, but if you look at the scripture, it says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. So trust is the first building block. The second is delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The third is commitment. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. And he will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your judgment as the noonday. And then lastly, rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. So those four building blocks, trust, delight, and commitment, and rest, is what I want to speak to you about this evening. 
So the first building block is trust. Trust. It is by no mean coincidence that the first virtue mentioned of an excellent wife in Proverbs 31 is that her husband can safely trust in her. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. If you uh, look at Proverbs 31, verse 11, in the King James, it says, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. The reason that he can trust her is clearly stated in verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. He can have confidence that she will be to his benefit as opposed to his harm for as long as he lives. And certainly we find those thoughts reflected in the marital vows. Until death do people part. As you think about trust, uh, let's uh, just make a, a few ha applications here. First, trust is foundational to all true intimacy. You are never going to be really intimate with someone that you can't trust. All right? Uh, for intimacy requires vulnerability. Vulnerability is simply that you are going to reveal things that potentially could be used against you. That potentially people could find fault with or judge you as a result. To be vulnerable is to tell people something that you don't want anyone to know about you. And that requires trust. That requires trust. One of the things that it's important to realize is that intimacy in the world's eyes is physical in nature. Uh, the world thinks of intimacy as a sexual relationship. But that's not the intimacy of Scripture. Uh, that is to be the expression, that is to be the, the outcome of what true intimacy is. But, but intimacy is not that. Uh, you can have sex with someone with whom you are not intimate at all. Uh, you can pay for sex. That certainly is not an intimate uh, relationship. And people are misguided oftentimes in thinking that uh, the answer to their marital woes is somehow a better sex life, as though that's going to create intimacy. But in actuality, that can actually drive people apart if they uh, think that they're being used or abused or they're uh, not being treated as they, they ought. So uh, real and true intimacy, this, this vulnerability, this learning to really enjoy the other person is really foundational 
to a good marriage. It starts with trust. The second building block is delight. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There are nine different Hebrew words that are translated into English as uh, delight. The thought is that that which is delighted in brings satisfaction and confidence. Let me just give you some other places where this word is used. For example, in Job 22, 23 and following, it says this. If you return to the Lord Almighty, you will be built up. If you remove justice far from your tents, if you lay gold in the dust and gold of Ophir among the stones of the torrent bed, then the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty. When you find your pleasure in God rather than in gold, you will find that in God you will have everything that you thought gold would provide. You will find in him that richness. You will find in him uh, that um, you will find in him that ability to provide. In Isaiah 55, 2, it says, Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat and what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Uh, we heard Isaiah sung to us this morning in the ministry of music. And it's in this passage saying, why are you looking at things that are valueless when you can delight yourself in the abundance of what God provides? Isaiah 58, 13. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking of your own word. Then you will take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Lastly, Isaiah 66.10. Be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her, all of you who her lover. Be exceedingly glad with her, all you who mourn with her, that you may nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breasts, that you may suck and be delighted with her bountiful bosom. That which one desires in this word is to be the fulfillment of that desire. Let me give you another verse that is so often misunderstood. And that is, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of your heart. Now, in the health and wealth gospel people, they tend to read that to mean this. Take delight in the Lord, and if you do that, then God is going to give you anything you want. All right? So if you, if you delight in the Lord, with that is going to come riches. With that are going to come airplanes. With that is going to come boats. With that is going to come mansions. With that is going to come anything that you can delight in. God is going to provide for you if you delight in him first. But what this verse really says is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, the things that you really desire you're going to find are fulfilled in him. The things that you really want out of life, the things that, that we really desire such as security, such as peace, such as provision, the things that are means to an end. Okay, what good is money? 
Money is only good for what it can provide. Money is only good for, for what it can buy. It is the thought that we need money because we want these things that money can provide, okay? Uh, as we think about these material things, what good is it? it? We expect joy to come from these things. That's, that's what the, the, the reason we want the, the, the car, the reason we want the boat, because we think it's going to bring us joy, okay? So the things that we think that we are going to be able to possess materially, actually we find in God. He's the one who provides that joy. He's the one who provides that uh, confidence. He is the, the one who is going to watch over us and protect us. He is our safeguard for the future, if you will. Everything that you could want in life is to be found in God. So delight yourself in him. That's a command. That is, think about, think about how that what we really want in life is to be found in God. Tonight we're talking about marriage. Think about what you really want in life and realize how your spouse is such an important part of that fulfillment. Take satisfaction in your spouse. Appreciate what your spouse does for you. Appreciate the comfort that you receive from your spouse. Appreciate the support that you receive from your spouse. Appreciate the satisfaction that you receive from your spouse. Think about how so many of your heart's desires are fulfilled in this relationship and look for the relationship to fulfill those desires. Don't look elsewhere, look there. The third building block is commitment. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. There are 11 Hebrew words translated in English as the word commit. This word is used only two times in the scriptures. It's used here, and it's used in Proverbs 16, 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Definition is to devolve one's way or to entrust completely to another. Okay? So to commit to the Lord whatever you do, our entire being, every aspect of our soul uh, needs to be entrusted to God. As we think about marriage, uh, one of the archaic statements that uh, everybody who's involved with my weddings has a hard time saying, and that is, with all my worldly good, I thee endow. Which simply says, everything I've got, I give to you. Okay? Everything I own, I, I, I share with you. I don't have a secret bank account. I, I, I don't have a house in Bermuda that you're unaware of. Uh, everything I've got uh, belongs to you. But it's more than everything I've got. Our, our bodies belong to each other, according to 1 Corinthians. Uh, don't say that your body belongs to yourself, but now your body belongs to God. Everything you have is entrusted now to your spouse. And so the uh, marital vows are forsaking all others and cleaving unto your 
spouse and to your spouse alone, but forsaking everybody else and committing yourself absolutely, completely to this one individual. All right? So uh, it's abandoning all other relationships. Uh, one of the things that happens in marriages that uh, is not good is that that satisfaction, that commitment that we are to have to our spouse uh, can be given to someone else. Uh, usually the first step in an adulterous relationship is not uh, a physical affair, but oftentimes the very first step is just the simple sharing uh, intimacies, uh, not physical intimacies, but emotional intimacies with a, another person, a coworker or whatever. You just sit and talk about things that really you should only talk about with your spouse. Those kind of vulnerable things, those kind of things that, that talk about, you know, my marriage is suffering or, you know, uh, my husband doesn't understand me, my wife doesn't understand me, and you pour out your heart and this person supports you and comforts you and reassures you. And then you begin to just enjoy spending time with this person because they understand me, they get me, they're a help to me. You're not expecting to do anything or, or whatever, but there's this slow transference of this intimacy that should be reserved for one's spouse and now is given to someone else. We commit ourselves to our spouses. We are entrusting to them and to no one else these special portions of our life. And then fourthly, the fourth building block is rest. Rest in the Lord. There are 20 different Hebrew words translated in English as the word rest. The definition is to be silent and to stand still. Job, 20, Job 30, 27, same word. The churning inside me never stops. Okay? It, it never rests. Job 30, 27, I am seething within and cannot relax. Job 30, 27, literal translation by the King James, my bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. Isaiah 66, 6 and following. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give them no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. To be at rest is to quit striving for something. It is to recognize that you have what you want. In a relationship, it means more. In a relationship, it means that we are not still looking for someone else. So think about this progression, if you will. The first step is trust. If you can't trust anybody, you're never going to delight in that person. You're never going uh, to find them to be, to be pleasurable. Uh, you're, you're never going to want to uh, express that trust in that individual. Okay? So there's trust, then there's delight, and, and once you delight in that person, then you are going to be ready to make a commitment. All right? Uh, without that delight, 
you're not going to want to make a commitment, okay? People don't tend to go out with people that they don't find pleasurable, okay? Uh, they don't tend to, to develop those relationships. And I talk about building blocks and, and steps, but, but they were, it's a spiral staircase. The more I trust someone, the more I delight in that person. The more I delight in that person, the more committed I become. Think about a relationship. It starts off by, you start to go out, you, you start to uh, enjoy that person, and you decide that, you know, uh, I'm not gonna date anybody else, we're gonna become exclusive. And you just start dating each other. And then as you date each other, then, you know, maybe you give somebody a promise ring or you give them a locket or something, and the next level of commitment, and then you trust in them more, you tell them more about your secrets, you tell them more about your personal life, you tell them about the problems you have, you, you tell them about their, your needs and so on, and you take delight in their listening to you and they're helping you, and you're making more commitments to them, and you're starting to think about living uh, you know, with this person for the rest of my life, you start thinking about marriage, et cetera, et cetera. So trust builds delight, which builds commitment, which builds rest. You have now, you're at peace, okay? This is, this is the person. You're not looking around anymore. You're not uh, thinking about everybody that uh, comes into the room as a potential mate. You know, those, I hated those dating years, right? Those, uh, that time, I pity you young people. That whole thing of, you know, who is the right person? And you're scanning around, you know, is it this person, is it that person? And uh, then you start, you know, cozying up to somebody and then somebody else walks into the room. And, uh, you know, you pass the note in, in class, you know, first period, I will love you forever, and by fourth period, it's somebody else, okay? And, but you, you, you work through that. You work through that, and, and there is more trust, there's more delight, there's more commitment, and then there's more rest. And nothing is, brings rest like marriage. You know, there's that finality. Even in engagement, you can break up. Even, and I remind people of that when they're engaged. Uh, this isn't a marriage, okay? Uh, as you go through this process, uh, uh, if you can't trust that person, if you can't delight in that person, don't marry that person. But then we have commitment, and the ultimate commitment is marriage. Till death do you part. And it brings rest. Rest that a lot of times can be seen. People gain weight because they're at rest, okay? And, and they let themselves go. And their behaviors, you know, they're, they're not afraid of losing this person. And uh, sometimes bad habits create. But the, but the idea here is that, that you're no longer looking around. You're, you're satisfied. This is the person for me. And you have made this, this commitment, and therefore you're at rest. You're at rest. But these building blocks or, or steps, if you will, can be walked up or walked down. Okay? You can, you can do this positively or negatively. The more you trust someone, the more you will delight in that person. The more delighted you are in that person, the more committed you become, and the more committed you are, the more at rest you are. You're satisfied, you're at peace. But if distrust enters a relationship, and you get to the place where I really can't trust that person anymore, then you start getting jealous, and then you start questioning, you know, finances, are they being honest, are they, you know, putting 
money on the credit card that I don't know? Do they have a separate bank account? All kinds of things start entering in your mind. What about relationships with other people, etc.? cetera? Uh, if you can't trust someone, then you start losing your delight. Then, then you're not pleased. And when you lose your delight, the commitment wanes. That doesn't mean divorce right off the stop, but, but it means that, that why should I bother? Why, why tell them these things? They don't care. They're not interested. And you start just being less vulnerable, less open. Start drifting farther apart. And the less committed you become, the more restless you'll become. And you'll start looking around. And you'll start looking at other people and say, you know, I wish I had a marriage like that. I wish I had a relationship like they have. And that moves from a wishing I had a relationship like they have, I, I wish I had a wife like that. Or I wish I had a husband like that. Doesn't that be physical? Doesn't have to be, I wish that she was a beauty queen. It might be, you know, I wish I had a wife that was, was devoted like that. Or I wish I had a husband that was generous like that. Or was considerate like that. And then that moves from wishing that you had someone like that to saying, you know, I, I wish I had that, that person. I could be so satisfied if only I could be having a relationship with so-and-so. Uh, dangerous, dangerous stuff. So it's extremely important in a relationship that we constantly are building trust Honesty, openness, tender with one another. And the more open and the more honest and the more vulnerable we are with one another, the more we will delight in each other. The more we'll enjoy spending time together. The more supportive we will feel. And the more supportive that we feel, the more committed we become to this relationship. And we won't let other things interfere. We are going to, just as we became exclusive in our relationship, we, we, work, we worry about things that take time away from our marriage. Uh, we stop and think about, okay, work and overtime, all kinds of stuff. Even church functions and responsibilities and duties. And you say, I'm going to preserve my family. I'm going to preserve my relationship with my spouse. I'm committed to that relationship. And the more committed you are, the more at rest you will be. The more you will say, I have everything that I could want right here. And you won't be envious. won't be looking around, wishing that you had someone else. But just as certain as you were on the day in which you said, I do, and you knew that was the right person for me, 40 years later, we ought to be more convinced than the day I said I do that this is the right person for me. And of all the people in the world, I can't imagine wanting to be married to somebody else. Okay? And you know, I, I'm blessed because I have a wife I can say that about. Because I can't imagine anybody else living and putting up with me. 
And I mean that, other than my wife. She is a unique person. And I cherish that. I cherish that. Rest. It's a good thing. May the Lord help us to develop relationships that are ever increasing in trust, ever increasing in delight, ever increasing in commitment, ever increasing in rest. Let's guard against anything that would destroy that trust, that would undermine that delight, that would erode the commitment and would cause restlessness. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace, and I pray that you would help us in our marriages. Help us to trust, delight, commit, and rest. We pray for the young people that are here that are not yet married, uh, some that are close, some that are thinking, some that are wishing, and some that are just desirous of finding somebody. Whatever state that they are in, help them. Help them. And we pray, O oh God, that you would provide for them a person, first of all, that they can trust. And Lord, we realize that to safely trust an individual, at, at rock bottom, it means they need to know the Lord. And there is so much more to it than that. But we, we pray that you provide them with someone that they can trust. And they can really and truly delight in. And be committed to. And enjoy the rest, the peace, the satisfaction of not looking around. Not wishing for something other than what they have. But to be extremely thankful and be blessed. And knowing that this is the right person for me. And bring joy and comfort and blessing to the hearts and lives of all those who are in our midst, who are so blessed as to have a spouse. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.